0: That's Science V-S. New season out on Spotify soon. September 1944. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt sat behind a bevy of microphones during a campaign dinner with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union. He had been sick for much of the year, but tonight, the president was sharp and witty. Normally a speech about absentee ballots and campaign finance reform would be dry and dull. But with FDR firing on all cylinders, it was electric. However, he needed a sure-fire closing to bring it home. So, the president relied on his most trusted ally, his four-year-old Scottish Terrier, Thaller. FDR dryly retold a vicious rumor that he had accidentally left Fala on the Aleutian Islands and sent a US Navy destroyer back to retrieve the dog at a cost of up to 20 million taxpayer dollars. He told the rapt audience, I don't resent attacks, and my family doesn't resent attacks, but Faller does resent them. Laughter broke out. As usual, he'd nailed the speeches closer. In a presidency marked by historic speeches, the so called Fowler speech went on to become one of his most well known. Roosevelt won that historic fourth term in office, and Faller helped him do it. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alistair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dogtales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dogtales in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. This week, we're telling the story of Faller, the Scottish Terrier, and the special bond he built with his owner, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Falla's journey took him from humble farm dog to hobnobbing with world leaders, and even to the most important allied leadership summits of World War II. On April 7, 1940, a litter of Scottish Terriers was born on a New York farm. Their owner, Mrs. Augustus G. Kellogg, gifted one of the puppies named Big Boy to her friend Margaret Sukley. With his stout body, thick coat and long face, Big Boy was the perfect image of the Scottish Terrier breed, even if he didn't act like the typical Scotty. The breed is known for their independent and confident attitudes, but not necessarily for their ease with strangers. But Big Boy was an exception. He was an attention-seeking, good-natured puppy. Margaret quickly took to Big Boy. She began training him. He learned new tricks easily. The terrier was a social butterfly, a constant ham who loved the limelight. Not unlike her beloved cousin, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. During FDR's rehab following his 1921 polio diagnosis, Margaret was one of his most constant companions. That bond had only grown over the years and Margaret wanted to give the president a gift to celebrate his victory in the 1940 election where he won his third term as president of the United States. Margaret thought Big Boy was the perfect choice. But FDR's wife, Eleanor, wasn't so sure about the appropriateness of having a dog in the White House. More of a business partner than a romantic one, Eleanor was worried about keeping up appearances and showing strength, especially as World War II raged, and America was on the verge of entering the fray. She was afraid that the adorable Scotty might give off the wrong image. But the president insisted, and Eleanor relented. Big Boy became part of the first family. FDR loved everything about Big Boy, except the name. Big Boy was not a presidential moniker. Given his own Scottish heritage, Roosevelt decided to name the dog after a distant relative. Big Boy's new name would be Murray the Outlaw of Falla Hill, which was quite a mouthful to say every time he needed to call for the dog. So they shortened it to Falla. The newly christened puppy and the newly rechristened president quickly became pals. Every morning in the White House, FDR would ring his service bell three times for his breakfast. His order was consistent. Eggs and toast with ham or bacon delivered to his room. But it wasn't only for him. It was breakfast for two. Whatever FDR didn't eat, Faller would gladly finish. Faller didn't have to rely on scraps from FDR's plate, though. The kitchen staff was so smitten with the terrier that they sent him a bone on a silver platter every morning. And it wasn't just the kitchen staff that fell for Faller. All of the White House did. FDR's cousin Margaret had taught Faller plenty of tricks and everyone loved to see the dog perform. There were the standard ones, sit, roll over, stand. But there was one unusual trick that would delight everyone who met Faller. Margaret taught Faller how to smile. With his pearly whites flashing and pink tongue lolling, Faller could melt anyone's heart. And whether he was wandering the halls of the White House or interrupting a meeting in the Oval Office, Faller and his big smile loved being the center of attention. A Time magazine photographer noted that whenever the president sat for a photograph, Faller would rush in and join his master, striking a pose by the president's side. Faller got more face time with the president than any of his friends, advisors, or cabinet members. Any time there was an official meeting, Faller was there as well. FDR practiced what his historian Warren Kimball called creative procrastination. He was always trying to downplay dramatic events. If a problem was met with confrontation or panic, it only made things worse. Instead of getting mad, the president favored de-escalation tactics to keep a room calm. Faller's constant presence made that part of governing easy. He was a welcome distraction anytime FDR needed to lighten the mood. With Faller in his corner, the president no longer had to rely on his quick wit or loquaciousness to refocus a conversation. He had weaponized cuteness at his disposal. That's not to say that FDR only liked having Faller around because he was a useful political tool. The president took great joy in making others happy and loved how much joy Falla brought people. And with tragedy about to strike, the American people would need all the joy Falla could give. Coming up, Faller goes international as America enters World War II. Now back to the story. After FDR's cousin, Margaret Sukley gave Faller to him as a congratulatory present in the fall of 1940, it didn't take the little Scottish Terrier long to win over the entire White House. Faller was well aware of his favoured status and exploited it every chance he got. He constantly roamed the halls of the West Wing, looking for a mark. An unsuspecting secretary, or a guard in an empty hallway. It didn't matter who, as long as they had food. Falla would prance up, plop himself down right in front of his new friend, and begin his routine. First a bark, just to draw the eye. Often, that was enough to earn a treat. But if that didn't work, He had all those tricks Margaret taught him back in New York. Sit, roll over, stand, and of course, the closer, smiling. Faller became so adept at winning treats from the White House staff that he put on a few pounds. The little Scotty was getting, well, not so little anymore. In 1941, Faller began to eat so much so often that he got sick. While FDR understood the irresistibility of Fala, he couldn't have his little buddy falling ill. So he made the tough call and laid down new ground rules for staff. No more feeding Fowler. And a new rule for Fowler: no more wandering around alone. The president decided to keep Fowler with him no matter where he went. If Fala was as popular outside the White House as in it, FDR would never have to be without his best friend. The president was keen on sneaking out for afternoon drives around Washington DC in his Ford convertible. Faller became a feature on his circuit. The first dog would get smiles and waves from everyone that spotted them. FDR delighted in the attention the little Scotty received. Fowler's travels soon expanded beyond the simple rides in the Ford. He started accompanying the president on fishing trips to Florida and his retreats to the Little White House in Warm Springs, Georgia. There, the president found relief from his polio by swimming in the resort's pool and lounging in the hot springs from which the town drew its name. And while the pools healed FDR's body, Fowler healed the president's soul their tight bond quickly became closer than any of FDR's human connections. The nation took notice. As beloved as FDR was, the pup, as FDR would often refer to him, was even more popular. As Faller spent more time in public by FDR's side, letters specifically addressed to the pup poured in from all across the country. At one point, Faller received more mail than the president. The demand for Faller's attention became so great that the pup even had his own secretary to sort through it all for him. Faller, the humble farm dog, had become an American sensation. And the president would need that fame to help calm an incredibly tense nation. By early 1941, World War II was consuming much of Europe. While some Americans wanted to join the fight, many others wanted to avoid the conflict. Just as Faller had calmed tensions in the Oval Office, he was bringing a calming presence to the American people. One day, while Margaret Sukley was dog-sitting for the president, she took Faller for a long walk. While he explored a patch of grass, a group of soldiers passed by. Upon seeing the Scotty, one of them lit up in a huge grin. Faller! Faller! he called out before going on his way. Margaret couldn't help but smile. The soldier didn't know he was calling out to the actual Faller. The president was in another country and there was no security detail for Margaret. Faller had just become so popular that to that soldier, every Scotty was Faller. Just like Lassie became shorthand for any rough collie, and Rin Tin Tin was called out to any passing German shepherd, Fala was now the nickname of any Scottish terrier. The demand for Falla was huge. Even Hollywood noticed. MGM created a short film about the Scotty called Fala, the President's Dog. They showed Faller doing all of his best tricks and even had a quick little story of the pup looking for a canine companion. The movie was a hit. America could not get enough of Faller. But as 1941 came to a close, President Roosevelt could no longer shift the public focus to his dog. On December 7th, 1941, the Japanese Bombed Pearl Harbor. With America officially at war, President Roosevelt had a lot more traveling to do. International leaders he had to see, smoky backroom deals to make, and intercontinental strategies to develop. But anyone who thought the president might change his governing style once he was at war was sorely mistaken. Faller was still present in cabinet meetings still running around the White House behind the president's wheelchair. And whenever possible, the dog was right by the president's side on international trips. Faller accompanied FDR to meetings with the president of Mexico and had his photo taken with Winston Churchill. And as usual, Faller was always hamming it up, looking to insert himself into a state photo or jump into a dignitary's lap. Throughout 1942 and 1943, World War II took its toll on the nation and the world. As the United States fought in Europe and the Pacific, Roosevelt was constantly pulled in a dozen directions. And Faller loyally followed. In the fall of 1943, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, Soviet Union Marshal Joseph Stalin, and US President Franklin Roosevelt met at the Tehran conference. This was no mere photo op. The three allied leaders were here to approve the invasion of Normandy, what we now know as D-Day. Fala was there for the whole conference. There were, of course, times when Falla couldn't accompany the president during his travels. On those rare occasions, President Roosevelt entrusted Falla with the one person he knew loved and cared for the dog as much as he did, his cousin, Margaret Sukley. But even for someone he knew and trusted as much as Margaret, FDR left explicit instructions. Under no circumstances could she leave the dog locked up in a pen. She had to take Falla with her wherever she went, even to her job as an archivist at the Roosevelt Library. Through the next year, the ravages of war took their toll on FDR. By the spring of 1944, the president was noticeably weaker. He was constantly tired, and the never-ending travel and heavy workload were wearing him down. His health troubles began with a bout of the flu, which then spread to a case of bronchitis, which never fully seemed to go away. Even worse, he soon learned he was suffering from heart disease and arteriosclerosis. Something had to be done. Dr. Howard Bruin, who handled the day-to-day business of the President's Health, set up daily checkups. But he noticed that FDR never had questions regarding his heart. In fact, he rarely had any questions at all. Instead, he liked to talk about falla. With FDR more focused on Falla than his health, the president's doctors and the first lady began to whittle down his schedule. Eleanor took to handling the presidency's social aspects. She would wine and dine those that didn't require the attention of the man trying to save the world. But hiding his illness was becoming increasingly difficult on the world stage. He was bedridden for large parts of the day And even though he established a new routine, he wasn't happy with it. FDR was notorious for keeping his thoughts and plans close to the vest, and that included his own well-being. But the deception still weighed heavily on him. More than ever, FDR needed the feeling of normalcy. In dealing with the physical ravages of illness and the psychological ones of leading a country at war, the president needed a confidant. Someone who he could find comfort and trust in. But FDR didn't have many personal connections. What he had, though, was Faller. In the face of his weakened state and international uncertainty, Faller was always a constant companion. And the president would need the pup now more than ever. As hectic as his life was, it was about to get even harder for FDR. The fight for his fourth term in office was about to begin. Coming up, Fowler sparks a national controversy and changes the course of a historic presidential election. Now, back to the story. During the summer of 1944, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was fighting for his life. But with the fate of the free world at stake, his illness was a closely guarded secret. As the president helped plan the Allied invasion of Normandy, his dog Fowler remained by his side. He was the only companion FDR could fully trust. On Tuesday, June 6, 1944, the Allied forces invaded the beaches of Normandy. The tide of World War II turned in the Allies' favour. The success of the invasion had President Roosevelt in good spirits, but his health remained poor. For someone in his condition, doing one job would be difficult enough. But with his next presidential campaign ramping up, he had two. The problems for the president weren't just overseas. 1944 was also an election year. But FDR soldiered on. He was the commander-in-chief, he had to. And even though the fighting was starting to calm down in Europe, he had yet another front to worry about, the Pacific. It was late July 1944, the sailors aboard the USS Baltimore weren't sure why they were called into port in San Francisco or why they were having to do renovations to the destroyer in such quick order. But when they were instructed to build a wooden ramp for boarding, they suspected that they might have a very special guest joining them soon. Their suspicions were confirmed when the world's most famous Scotty trotted up the ramp. Moments later, President Roosevelt himself arrived. The crew was thrilled to have the President and the pup on board. As the Baltimore approached Hawaii, President Roosevelt noticed that his cabin had been quiet. In fact, he couldn't recall exactly the last time he saw Fala. The pup had free run of the ship, but he usually didn't stay away from his master so long. At once, FDR put out a search for Faller. With all hands on deck, it didn't take long to locate his beloved Scotty near the gear lockers. However, he was noticeably different. Faller was missing some hair. Actually, Falla was missing a lot of hair. His thick black coat was shorn thin and patchy. After a bit of digging, President Roosevelt discovered that a sailor had a little brother back home who was a huge fan of Fala's. So, after spotting Falla in the galley, the sailor lured the pup close to him with a treat and harmlessly snipped off a locket of hair to mail back to his little brother. It turned out there were a lot of little brothers back home who were big fans of Fala. And Fala happily obliged each and every one of them as long as they gave him treats. The president couldn't help but laugh. He knew the joy that Falla brought to everyone, but he did issue an order via the captain, no feeding or trimming Falla. After a few days in Hawaii, the Baltimore set sail again, this time for the Aleutian Islands off the coast of Alaska. The Aleutians had been the site of the only land battle on US soil during World War II, when the American army regained control of the islands from Japan in May 1943. One year later, the President was visiting to check in on the troops. After the brief stopover, the Baltimore made its way to Seattle. But that quick detour in the Aleutians led to one of the biggest controversies of FDR's career. In September 1944, just two months before the presidential election, a rumor began to spread that President Roosevelt had accidentally left Faller in Alaska and forced the ship to turn around and get him at the cost of $20 million of taxpayers' money. No one was sure where the rumour started, but it blew up when Representative Harold Newton of Minnesota shouted it from the floor of Congress. He hoped the rumour would frame the president as out of touch and out of control with his spending. Despite its silliness, the rumour grabbed national attention. Suddenly, FDR was in danger of losing his lead in the election The scandal around Faller allowed his Republican opponent, Thomas Dewey, to gain momentum. Suddenly, FDR was in danger of losing his lead in the election. The outrage around Faller allowed his Republican opponent, Thomas Dewey, to gain momentum. President Roosevelt knew he had to do something, and fast. Despite his poor health, He had to get this silly rumour under control before it cost him the election. And of course, he had to clear Falla's good name. He put his plan in motion on September 23, 1944, during a campaign dinner with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union. After pumping up the crowd with news of legislation that would help the Teamsters and their families, FDR confronted the Falla rumour head-on. He ended the speech with the famous line, Well, of course, I don't resent attacks, and my family doesn't resent attacks. But Faller does resent them. The Faller speech rallied a nation. The rumor had completely backfired. A few weeks later, Franklin Delano Roosevelt rode the nation's love of Falla to a historic fourth term in office. In January 1945, President Roosevelt was inaugurated once again. France and Belgium had been liberated from Germany, and the end of the war in Europe was imminent. In February, the leaders of the Allied nations all met at the Yalta Conference to discuss the fate of post-war Europe. Once again, Faller had a front-row seat to history, smiling at world leaders as World War II finally ended. But after he returned from Yalta, President Roosevelt again fell ill. In March 1945, he left Washington, D.C. for a long stay at Warm Springs, Georgia, hoping that a stay at the resort would lift his spirits. On April 12, 1945, FDR's cousin Margaret and Fowler kept FDR company while he had his portrait painted. Suddenly, FDR complained of a terrific headache in the back of his neck and dropped his head. A few hours later, President Roosevelt passed away in his bedroom. After his doctor declared Roosevelt dead, Faller, who had been sleeping peacefully in the corner, sprang to his feet and began barking. In all the commotion of the president dying, no one had paid attention to the dog in hours. Yapping away, Faller ran headfirst into the screen door, bursting through it. He ran to the top of a nearby hill where he continued to wail and cry. It seemed like he was grieving for his master. In his will, President Roosevelt bequeathed Faller back to his cousin, Margaret Sukley. She gladly took the pup. However, after just a few months, Eleanor Roosevelt, who never warmed up to Faller while he was in the White House, requested that Faller join her at her new home in Hyde Park. Margaret happily obliged. Eleanor and Faller grew very close over the next several years She often wrote about him in her regular newspaper column, America was still in love with the pup. On nice days, Fala ran around the property chasing squirrels and birds. But mostly, Eleanor said, he patiently waited around for the old man to return home. On April 5th, 1952, just a few days before his 12th birthday, Faller passed away. He was buried next to President Roosevelt. When it came time to build a presidential memorial for FDR, it only seemed fitting to include Faller. When it was complete, a bronze statue of the Little Scotty was placed right next to FDR's likeness. To this day, it's the only presidential memorial featuring the first dog. A man and his dog, together, forever. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Travis Clark, and Joel Stein. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Jesse Harris with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Alastair Murden.